Romans chapter 8 and 28 says this. I'm reading in the English Standard Version, and there's a couple of different versions I'm going to read, but I want to read from this one in English Standard, New King James. Very close, so just follow with us. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I want to read it in the Amplified and then in the Amplified Classic, just as we are standing. In the Amplified, it says this, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, watch this, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And I want to read the Amplified Classic, and then we're going to get into the Word. It says, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together, watch this, and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and his purpose. And you just look at a couple of people really quickly and say, it's working for your good. It's working for your good. And you may take your seat with a hand praise before the Lord. I... I I'm going to have a little bit of a long takeoff, but I promise you this flight is, once we get past the wind, we're going to blow across where we need to get to. Uh, we do ask if you would keep us in prayer, my family, a number of other people from this church, Sister Evie being one of them is leaving with us. In five hours, actually less, in right about five hours, we will be departing to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where we'll be working until June the 18th. In, we'll be in Rio, and then we'll be in Macapá, Brazil, which is in the northeastern part of the country, and we'll be going down to a village called Afua and a number of other villages that are there along the Amazon River. And we are going to be helping some doctors that service kids and people in these rural communities and villages. Um, and we're not doctors, but we have prayer. And so we will be there helping to restore a community center that helps bring medical aid to people in those communities. As well as we said, we can't be the doctor on the boat. We can buy you the boat for the doctor. And those doctors will be able to take that medical care to these kids. And we just ask, please, if you would keep us in prayer. There's about 90 of us that are going to be there by next Thursday. That's a lot of people to move around the world. Some of us don't even like taking our whole family somewhere, let alone 90 people. Um, but we love them all. And this generation, contrary to popular belief, is still responding to the call of God. They are not sick. We're not disabled. We're not debilitated. We are at work. And this is one of the core mantras to the message that I teach these people that go. I said, just because people don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Some of the best things and greatest things you will ever do for God, nobody will ever know. And it's better that way because the jewel stays in your crown. We are infatuated with getting credit for things. And, and uh, I believe when it comes to the work of the Lord, defer the credit, let God get the glory. Because I don't want him to say, well, everybody said you did well, so go ahead and come on into heaven. We want to get there. And he says, well done. And we're not waiting for this applause. We're waiting for that applause. Amen. So if you would keep us in prayer, that would be great. That would be awesome. We love you very much. We miss our church very, very much, very much. Um, there are messages, different kinds of messages that preachers will preach. Messages that they study and the Lord gives them a word that isn't necessarily connected to a season of their life, but rather it is a word that God gives them. For someone else. Then there are messages that God will put into the heart of a preacher that are indicative of a season they've been through. So they speak based upon the perspective 
that they've already gained from that thing, right? That's called wisdom. Wisdom does not come without having lived through something. Uh, before you live through it, it could be knowledge, but once you've been through it, it's now called wisdom, which means that, and, and you know, when I was young, I thought I was pretty smart, and then I realized that's all I was, was smart. It takes years to be wise. I know all of us younger people are offended, but I can't believe you said I wasn't wise. You're not wise. You want me to say it again? You're not wise. Wisdom is usually the person who's earned it through the gray hairs on their head or the lack thereof. The scars in their rooms instead of their trophies. They say wisdom is rotted and not rotted as in it decays, but it comes about when a person comes to the point where they've been through enough things where they take down their trophies and instead they put through their endurances. And instead of showing off what they are, Instead, they be a witness of what they've been through, and that brings wisdom to someone else. Amen? So if you ever have an opportunity to speak to someone who is wise, this was advice that I got. Pay for the lunch and keep your mouth shut because you'll give them something that will feed their stomach, but they will give you something that will feed your life. So the less we talk and the more they talk, the more we learn, and it only costs us 30 bucks or 45 bucks. Amen? But then there are messages that God gives preachers that are not fresh out of the fire, but rather are speaking from the fire. Which means that it is not something that you're just studying and it's not something that you're reflecting on, but rather you're in the season as you are speaking. There is a story of a boot camp that had a standard drill instructor that was older and he uh, lost his voice when he was speaking to those that were in boot camp. So he calls out to a lieutenant that was under his rank from the field who was fighting. And he says, come in and speak to the recruits that are there in the boot camp. And the speech that the man gives is much different than the person who was done with war, who was done fighting and is now teaching from the perspective of what we had been of what he had been through so this lieutenant coming from the war does not show up in a polished non-wrinkled glossed boot uniform he got fresh off the plane and his uniform smelled like war and he goes inside of the room and there's scars and scuffs on his boots he has no medals on him because you don't wear your medals to war and he goes into the boot camp and he only had but a short moment. He only had but a short moment to, to, to be there and talk to these men. And he was tired and weary from the war, but the war wasn't done yet. He had to get back to his men. So he walks inside of the barracks where he's speaking to these men. And he says, sit down. See, they normally had to stand up at attention, but this soldier was tired. So he had to get the rest where he could. So he says, sit down. And the, and the old drill sergeant, drill instructor expected that this man would proceed and give a long, dissertated speech about what it is to be a soldier. And instead, he gave a speech of what it is to be in war. And as they sat there, he said, war is hard. I have buried and I have killed. I have seen glory and I've seen defeat. And even now, for every second I sit with you, the determination of victory and loss is in the balance he says my only advice to you is if you're going to fight don't give up because once you give up it's over so I want to talk to you today because I want to preach a message that I am living right now right now there's often you know when we talk about homiletics or we speak about pulpit etiquette, one of the things that is thrown out sometimes to preachers is be careful not to say too much about your life. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about God. But God works through us. So if you don't share your testimony, then you'll end up with a testimony. If people can't see you, and, and you say, well, I want them to see. They need to see Jesus. 
but they need to see Jesus through you. Well, but I, I can't say too much, and you know how that goes. How are you? I'm great. You're just waiting for them to walk away, and the second they walk away, oh. I can greet them in church. I don't know if I can say hi at Target. Of course, we don't go to Target no more. They put that stuff in the back quick, huh? <laughs> I said this to a friend. I said, did you know that when the world boycotts Christian businesses, it goes up? They boycotted Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A increased its business by 35%. They boycotted Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby opened 100 new stores. Even though the CEO said, I'd close every single store. I'm not turning my back on Jesus. Well, in and out, we all know that's anointed. So that's just going to be what it is. <laughs> We don't even need to give a testimony about that. That's a whole other level. That's Bishop Romo anointing at that point. <laughs> they put scripture on their cups. <laughs> but I want to be transparent with you today. Is that okay? And I want to share a testimony with you. And then I won't preach to you. And that's why I'm saying the message won't take that long. But I want you to know that in every single one of us is a message. And if I give you something that is not personal, then it's not prayed over. See, every message for a preacher has to be personal. Otherwise, you don't pray for it right. See, you should never pray and say, Lord, give me a word. What you do is you say, Lord, give me a lesson so that when I study your word, I'll have something to speak. Someone once asked me. What do, you, what do you pray for when you're studying for a message? I say, I don't pray for the word. I pray for the people. Why don't you pray for the word? Because his word is anointed. His word is eternal. His word was here before us. We bring nothing new to the word of God. Me praying for it doesn't make it more powerful. Me listening to it helps me through my seasons. So I want to share a testimony with you guys. And I'm literally living this testimony right now. And if this is being filmed, I'll say as much as I can without it being admissible in the court of law. Literal statement. You know, there was a word that was shared just this past Sunday, and I was actually at another church this past Sunday, and uh, my wife was here, Bishop Romo shared a word with her. And it's interesting that sometimes we hear a word, and I'm not specifically saying this for me, but for any of us, and we hear a word given for someone, or we hear something given for someone, and we go, amen, God bless, and because we're not living it, we move on with our lives, we go on doing what we're doing, we said, God bless them. Is everything good? Well, let, let me share a little bit with you, if that's okay. Uh, six years ago, going on six years, literally in a couple of weeks, six years ago, I made the decision to get out of corporate America, took off my slacks, and then came to a church where I could take off my slacks. Praise God. <laughs> I'm in comfortable shoes today. I couldn't do that everywhere. I used to have to wear church shoes to school, but I'm good now. And we left corporate America, and I left to come here to Arizona, we left to come here to Arizona so that we could focus on the work of God, focus on the work of the Lord. And let me tell you this, whenever you make a decision to, to make a move because of the kingdom of God, God's blessings will go with you. It's when you do the opposite that you're in trouble. So we make this move and I left the corporate career that I had and I moved into a business as a partner with some friends, one friend in particular that actually ties into the story. And we decided to do something on our own and grow that and say, okay, let's go about and do a business. Now you're going, okay, what does this have to do with spirituality? Let me tell you something. Business, work, your career, your family, it's all spiritual, ladies and gentlemen. So when we say there's my spiritual life and then there's my normal life, nope. Your spiritual life is your normal life. And if you don't have a normal life that's spiritual, then you're living a normal life that's not blessed, that's not in the will of God, that God can't have his hand on. And we're going, well, how come God isn't using me in my career because you're calling it carnal when it should be spiritual? Well, I get up and I got to get to business. I ain't got time for prayer. Well, that means that, that then that life cannot be blessed. We made the decision as I was sitting on a hillside in, in about two and a half hours outside of the city. I was there in Africa and I went to go visit some kids for an orphanage that we had built for them. And I was sitting there and the Lord, I, I believe this, the Lord has spoken to me two times in my life. I won't say any more times than that. I know some of us say the Lord talks to me every day. No, he does not. He spoke to Moses three times. He spoke to Abraham three times. The Holy Spirit speaks through 
into the heart of people. But audibly speaking, if you hear him once, maybe twice, maybe three times in your life, that means you're matched up with Moses. Amen? I know, I know, that one hurts, huh? I'm just trying to stay in our Bible. Whenever you hear somebody say, the Lord just gave me a new word, you better run as quickly as you can. Because that might be a good word, but that ain't a God word. God's word has already been anointed. Amen? Someone says, the Lord's giving me revelation. Oh, I got a revelation for you. Get your Bible, open it, read it, and you'll grow. Someone said, oh, the Lord told me this. I'm like, you know it's written in his word already, right? It's written in his word. You don't got to wait to the end to watch the post credit scene to find out what God is saying. He put it in the book. The book's pretty good, by the way. Anybody seen The Passion of the Christ? You're like, this is amazing. The book is better. The book is better. <laughs> so we're there in Africa, and I'm sitting down, and I don't know what to do. Lord, do I continue this path? I was already an evangelist. We were already going places throughout the world. That's partially what created the issue for me within the corporate America standpoint. But I decided we're not moving away from this. Come hell or high water, we're going to continue to do the work for God. So we go to Africa, and the Lord tells me, literally, you've trusted that. Now trust me. And I went home, and instead of taking a, a lucrative position as a director of construction in Colorado and in Northern California, I quit. My boss called me a fool on my way out. He looked at me in my face, and that's like some old school demeaning. Said, now you go, you're a fool. They're like, whatever, man. But like back before, that was the worst thing you could call somebody. I'm not that old. He was that old. <laughs> he looks me in the face, and he says, you're a fool? And we will welcome you back when you come asking for your job. But the Lord had given us a word. So we pack our stuff and we moved to Arizona in the middle of 2017 heat wave. When we pulled up to our house, it was 117 degrees in the shade. <laughs> I said, Lord, don't tell me heaven's here. It is hot as Our friends bought some pizza. They didn't even have to cook. They just drove it over. It was done by the time it got there. It was hot. And we're like, what are we doing here? And the Lord had his way. He said, trust me. I move into business with a couple of associates. And we took, I'm going to say some, it's all right, PFAC. You can press pause. But I'm, I'm going to share it because I want somebody at the end of this to understand that your story's not done yet. And so we go and we get into this business and, and, and I start praying about it. And Tree and I are talking about it. She says, do it, babe. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's trust God. And so we meet up. And, and me and these two partners, we say, you know what? We're going to make this happen. And I told them, if we have honesty and integrity, and, and any of my girls that work with me, they know I say that every single day. And we have honesty and integrity. We fear God and we respect man. God will bless this business. Well, he did that. He took that business. And not only did he double it. You ready for this? For all of our business people here, he centupled it. He didn't add, he multiplied. So can I stop here for a second and tell somebody, if you're doing it with God, watch. When man calls you a fool, God says, I'll bless you, and they're going to have to change their confession of you. I'm foolish enough to believe that God is the one who's in control. And so he takes the business and it just centuples and it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Now watch all of our business people. What happens when you're growing your business? You're not focusing on other things and you're there. Well, fast forward. Let's come all the way to now. I want to share this with you guys because someone's, you know, someone might go, Mingo, how come you haven't been here? Well, you've been somewhere else in the world. I was supposed to be in India. Didn't go to India. Supposed to be preaching to 10,000 people per night for five straight days. Didn't happen. I'm an evangelist. That's my heart. That's where I want to be at. We're leaving in a couple hours to go to another country. We'll be in South America. So I didn't go there. Then I was supposed to be in Zambia. Last week, maybe? Was it last week? Yeah, last week, supposed to be in Zambia. Didn't go there either. Instead, we're dealing with something that I never thought we'd have to deal with. That is, and I'm going to share it. It's fine. It's already with the DA. It's good. Someone's like, are you going to get in trouble in court? Nope, not if you tell the truth. All the time. I had a client one time tell me, man, you are very straightforward. I said, would you like for me to lie to you? He said, no. I said, you just have a lot of people that lie to you. 
The truth comes straight. It's all fastballs. Only lies throw curveballs. Right? So what happens is in January, we started discovering that something was wrong. Something's not lining up. Something's not, not, not going the way that we thought it would. And it raised some concern for us. So we had a forensic investigator, a financial forensic investigator. And if anybody knows what those people are, they dig up every single dollar hole you can. They will find out if you spent company money to buy chiclets. They look at all of it. All of it. All of it. It is, excuse the expression, and Brother Asai knows he's an accountant. It is a financial colonoscopy. Without gloves and jelly. I know. <laughs> All right, let's fast forward. Watch. So I started looking into it and we go, oh, oh no, this is bad. And then I go to Africa. And I'm there in Kenya for their national convention. And I was responsible to put together that election. Right now, my wife and I have the privilege of serving as assistant regional supervisors to that continent, and we help to oversee 10 countries. That doesn't make us in charge. That means that it makes us responsible. So we're there, and we're doing this convention, and during that time, I get a phone call, and that phone call is from my partner. He says, we got a very big problem, and the district attorney wants to speak to us. And this is what happens. Again, this is all believing the Lord's hand is on this. Watch. I, 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 we, the Lord has a word for somebody through here. Watch. And what happens is I'm going, okay, what's going on? And literally as I'm standing on a bridge looking at hippos in the water, I hear this. Our accountant stole $2.5 million from us. Oh, it gets better. It gets way better. And I'm looking at that hippo like, I wonder how much we could sell these hippos for. We got a problem. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. Two and a half million. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. I'm preaching that night. And this whopper hits me, and I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, what do I do? And you want to know what the Lord told me? There in Africa, as I'm eating my food, he said, trust me like you've trusted me before. And this is what I told the Lord. I trust you. I just don't know if I can trust myself. Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. I'm going to be transparent with you. It, we have anybody here that says, Lord, I believe in you. I just don't know if I believe in me. See, that's the enemy at work, right? Because if the enemy can't, can't make you doubt God, he'll make you doubt you. So I'm like, Lord, I, I believe in what you can do, but how did I let this happen? Me, God. And you know what God tells me? You're not in control. I'm in control. I'm like, oh, I get up and I preach a message and, and, and the Lord pours his spirit out because he always pours his spirit out in times of pain. When we're sensitive, he's able to do more with us. So, so we, we get there and we're in March. I come home and all of a sudden my entire company is turned upside down. We don't know what we're going to do. We're out of money, and all this is, is, is just taking place and transpiring, and every rabbit hole we go down is worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So we finally get to the point that now here we are in May, and, and we're getting ready to leave to Brazil like we are today, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, I have to leave to go over there to meet with attorneys and meet with the district attorney, and there, there's indictments and embezzlement and racketeering, and, and it's, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And I don't mind sharing it. And anybody that goes, oh, my God, I can't believe you said all that. I can't believe some people don't say more. So let me just go there. So, so what happens is that, that, that we go through that, and all of a sudden we're sitting there, and the forensic investigator comes back with the next level of investigation, and he says, it's not $2.5 million, it's $4.3 million. Two and a half years of your profitability is gone and you're insolvent because this controller didn't pay bills for two and a half months. Now it's different. Listen to me. And I want to say this on behalf of those that run businesses in the church. I'm not saying we're special. Listen to this part because many times people get this wrong. They think that a, the person who operates a business, they're selfish. All they want is money. All they wanted is for themselves. You want to know what happened when my stomach, when my heart sunk into my stomach? I said, there are 243 families that I have to explain won't have a job. And you got to smile. 
and you got to shake hands and you got to tell everybody it's going to be all right. And inside of your heart, you're going, God, I believe you, but I don't trust me right now. Because if I really trusted me, I wouldn't have let us get into this situation. And you know who preached to me? The DA. You know what? This happens to a lot of growing companies. You're not the only one. But I could not get over looking these people in the face, Steve, not knowing if they're going to have their jobs and their employment and they're going to be able to feed their families. And some people say, only what you do for Christ will last. And you should have been in India and God would have did, should have been. And, can you, and you know what? I, I said this to somebody not too long ago. I said, that is so selfish. Because where I need to be is fighting for these families. Fighting for these families. And I felt betrayed and we felt let down. And you know what? You don't want to know what we had to do. And this is just a couple weeks ago. I'm almost done with the testimony. May the 17th, I had to stand there in front of this person and terminate them. And fire them face to face. And some people are like, bro, I would have took that one. One of my partners was so upset. I told him, you're not going. You are not going. He said, I can't believe he can do this to these people, to these families. I can't believe that these are people that live check to check and work. These are just construction workers, Miguel, trying to take care of their families. And instead, I'm praying and I told Tree, I'm getting ready to go into this thing. And this is hard, babe. I don't want to do this because I, I, I'm, I, as a person, I'm upset and I'm angry and I feel betrayed. But as a believer, I have to have compassion and grace. I have to sit there and reflect Christ. And you want me to be honest with you? I didn't want to reflect Christ during that time. I wanted to exercise my jujitsu on this person. That's the truth. I wanted to show them what two and a half years looks like. That's me being honest. Someone's like, oh, no. I turned the other cheek. I was going to go right past the cheek and straight for the neck. And I'm sitting in the car. And I said, Lord, give me grace. Give me compassion because it's easy to love people when you're being done right. It's hard to do it when they betray you. And when they betray people that trust you. The life of a leader is not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy because if it's just about you, then it's just you. But when, when other people put their trust in you, Oh, man, that stress and that tension and that feeling that I had. My wife knows I sat up at night. It'd be one, two in the morning. I'm just staring at my screen and I can't go to bed. And I'm like, God, what are we going to do here? What's going to happen? God, give me grace. I'm like, if I dig a hole, can I like, can I reach in? Like, if you guys would have pulled this off and like four and a half million dollars were in there, that would have been awesome. But that didn't happen. There's just a plug in there, you know. But you start wondering, Lord, what are we going to do? I sat there with this person. I said, listen, listen, we all make mistakes. You can make this better. The DA is going for you, man. We can't control that. That's a criminal investigation. 38 years this person's being indicted for. So, but civilly, just give the money back. These people are hurting. And he said, I didn't take anything. And I pulled out. <laughs> Isn't it interesting when we say we didn't do nothing, all of a sudden God pulls out receipts. I pulled out a stack this big that I had to sign, by the way, and we took it out, and I put it on the table. I said, this says otherwise. I said, I didn't do anything, and I didn't do it. And I said, okay, man, just come on, just please, please work with us here. Work with us. Come on. Let's make this right. Let's take care of these families. Let's make sure we don't betray them. Let's make sure, come on, man. We understand that you did something wrong, and now it is really, really wrong. $10,000 is a felony. $4.3 million is literally called grand embezzlement. That is 38 years in prison. Said so you're getting married in November, bro. You have a fiancé. We found out we bought a ring, interestingly enough. So we're like, are we engaged to her or is he engaged to her? We, we couldn't figure it out for a little while. We're like, listen, Petra, if you still want the wedding... You're getting married to our company, not your fiance. But we're like, what are we going to do? And I'm going to say, come on, man, let's just make this right. If you can make this right, we'll drop the civil case. And he goes, no, no, no. And he denies it. He gets in his car. He drives off. And we don't, want, we don't know what's going to happen. Guess what we had to figure out that Wednesday? How are we going to pay our people? We couldn't make payroll. Couldn't make payroll. I'm so, I was so embarrassed. I didn't want anybody to know that. Actually, Steve knows what's going on. He was with me in Africa when we were getting these calls, huh, Steve? I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? 
what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I was sitting there and I had my head down. I'm like, Lord, I need you to make a way. I need a miracle to happen right here. And I got a text from a pastor friend of mine who knew absolutely nothing that's going on. I haven't spoken to him in seven months. And he sends me a text and he says, your harvest is coming. Trust God, my friend. And I'm like, okay, God, if you're whispering, let me listen. And then I got another, I got another text from another friend that said, the enemy will not win. What God has called you to do, you will still do it. Don't worry. Have faith. God's going to make a way. And I'm like, what's going on here? This ain't me. And all of a sudden, God is just planting these morsels of answers to me. And then I get another one and another one and another one. And I forgot that the week before that, I had a pastor friend of mine I haven't spoken to in almost a year say, this morning I was praying and the Lord put you in my heart. And he said, pray for me. He's going through a lot right now. And I'm like, I hope you didn't think I was sinning or backsliding or like that kind of wrong, right? And he goes, no, the Lord told me that you were you were deepened in your emotions and, and, and something I've been done wrong to you and I just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you and the enemy won't win and you're going to come through this and you're going to see everything that God had promised come to pass and I'm like thank you my friend you don't know how bad I needed this you don't know how bad I needed a word from the Lord and I said sometimes the greatest preachings are not behind a pulpit they're on the other end of a phone and somebody calling you and saying I love you it don't look good right now it looks really bad but God is in control and guess what happened ah you know what happened? We get a phone call from, from a company, from a guy that we hadn't talked to in years. And he says, hey, guys, I'd like to invest with you. Is that possibility exist? And we went, wait, wait, what? And my partner don't serve God. He will, but not yet. Like, he, he, we go higher in the Lord. He just goes higher. <laughs> And I, a matter of fact, I just told him, when, when, when you get saved, God's going to make you a pastor. Because so, you have the heart of a pastor. And he's like, well, let me put my beer down so I can receive that. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I need somebody to hear me. God don't need you to arrive for him to start speaking of what you're going to be. See, God was calling some of us when we were still high. When we were still running the streets, when we were still acting a fool, and it didn't make no sense. See, God was calling Pastor Rusi when he was still out in the streets being who he was. See, because God don't need you to get there before he speaks of where you're headed. Because when he's in control, when he's in control, he says, so this investor goes, I, I want to invest with you guys. Is, is that a possibility? And I'm looking at my partner like, don't you dare tell him that we ain't got no money. We said, yes, that possibility exists. Fantastic. And he goes, okay, what do I need to do? Okay, right now, this week, what do we need to do right now? Okay, we need a deposit. We're going to draft a letter. And uh, we need, how much is it there? We need that much money. I'm serious. And he drafts a letter. We hurried up. I'm sitting there typing it at 1030 at night, you know, cross-sided, not eating. And, you know, I'm there typing up this letter. We send it over to him. He initials it. Check goes in the mail. We pay the payroll. Nobody knows there's a problem. Look it, we're still in the middle of the storm. Watch, we're still in the middle of the storm, but God's providing. I need somebody to get this. See, see, it may not be all the way, but God will give you what you need. I need somebody to praise God for a second. See, I don't need abundance, God. I just need to know you're still there. Woo! When everybody says, oh, it's going down, you ain't going to survive. You're like, God, just give me my daily bread. Just let me feed our people and we'll be okay. And God's like, if I can do it with two fish and five loaves of bread. I need somebody to get this right up front. You can be blessed in the middle of your storm. You could be taken on water and still be blessed. Hey, God, I don't need everything. I just need something. And God's like, I'm going to give you exactly what you need to believe that I am working for your good. Oh, my God. Come on, I need somebody that needs an answer from God. And God's like, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. You may not have it all, but I'll give you what you need. Just trust me. So on Friday, we pay the payroll. On Friday, we pay the payroll. Employees are good. They're running around depositing checks, running around trying to make ends meet. 
including our own home. Because if anybody knows how business operators work, you're the last one to get paid, not the first one. Right? You count what's left. We always say it this way. A business operator knows how to make a meal out of crumbs. Right? I can shove enough pieces of little meat to make it look like a filet mignon. But we weren't out of the storm yet. We weren't out of the storm. So now what happens? I said, Lord, you're faithful. You're faithful. And all I need is if I'm faithful to you, Lord, will you be faithful to me? And that's an oxymoron question because my faithfulness only comes because he is faithful. I don't know what faithfulness looks like until I know what the faithfulness of the Lord looks like. Okay, I'm almost done. Like I told you. Are we all right? I feel a victory for somebody today. Can I just stop for a second and prophesy to somebody? Is that all right? Because I feel the Holy Ghost. You came on the right day to this one, Miguel. You came on the right day to this one, brother. Because God is getting ready to open it up for you and say, you've done what you needed to do with what I've given you, but I'm getting ready to bless you. So what happened? I'm on my way to Jubilee. I saw Jubilee Center in Modesto, California. That's our cousin's church. I didn't want to preach. I just wanted to be with some family. Sometimes preachers got to sit down and listen to. A preacher that won't listen to a preaching ain't worth listening to his preaching. Did you get that? Right? They say the best teacher is the best student. So I said, I need to go. I need, I need to go to church. So I, I, I message our cousin and I'm like, Pastor Ben, I'm coming. And this is how a preacher can go to a church and not be asked to preach. You just got to say it the right way. I'm going to sneak in the back. That means don't ask me to do nothing. I'm going to sneak in the back. And then can we have lunch afterward? That's how you do it. So I snuck in, and I didn't get to go to the back because you still don't get to go to the back. Right, Pastor? They said, oh, come on up, brother. And I'm like, I want to sit in the back. And they're like, walk you all the way up to the front. Everybody's like, oh, you're preaching. That's so awesome. I'm like, no, I'm not. You don't want to hear a word from me right now. Wait till next week when I get home. Right now, it's, it's ugly. <laughs> so... What happens on my way to church, I flip on the message here. And I'm listening to Bishop preach. And I started speaking in tongues in the car. And tears are rolling down my cheek. And I'm saying, God, you're so faithful. You're so good. And I literally remember saying this. I'm looking at him while I'm driving, like looking like that. And I said, man, the Lord is really using him today. And I had to walk in before I heard the word that he released to my wife. And watch, that's why you should pray for people that the Lord speaks. So pray for them. Put them on your prayer list. And you want to know what happens? He goes from there, and he said, tell him it's going to be okay. Watch. On Monday, that investor goes, I don't want to just do the deposit. Watch this. I want to buy into the company. Watch. He goes, but all I want to give you is the money. I don't want to run the company. I just want to give you what you need. You guys still keep being the bosses. Y'all keep on running it the way that you choose to do it. All I want to do, he says, is give you what you need. So we meet together with him and his wife, and we're sitting down. And when it's over, she says, I don't know why this feels so good. Like we were supposed to do this. And I looked him in the face because I'm that kind of person. I'm that kind of person. I, I will give God glory. I don't care where it's at. I don't care if it's in the middle of a business meeting with heathens. If God is good, I'm going to say it out loud. And I looked her in the face and I said, God is good. And he knew what he was doing. And she said, you know, in the way that non-believers do when they hear that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. And they go, Ooh, and they walk out, right? When they walked out, I walked, in, I walked into the office where, where, where there's two young ladies that work with us. And they're both Holy Ghost filled apostolic young ladies. And we walked in, and I shut that door. I said, isn't God good? And one of them, they had been up with us working until 11, 12, 2 in the morning. And she just goes, can, boss, can I just stop for a second? And she sets her stuff down. She lowers her head. She's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is faithful. And look, just on Friday, 
just on Friday, just on Friday, today's Sunday, just this past Friday, we're in a meeting at 9 a.m. And he says, I tell you what, he says, this looks like it's going to be an amazing thing. And he goes, and I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to come into the, he didn't even know he was an answered prayer. He thought it was an open door. Can, can you get this for a second? See, sometimes your desperation, God starts unlocking other people. And you what? And this ain't towards Ray, but I'll say this to somebody else. God can bless you and make the devil pay for it. And on Friday, he's going, I can't wait to see what this becomes. This looks like it's amazing. It looks like it's promising. And in one week, we went from closing the doors to forecasting. You ain't ready for this. You ain't ready for this. When I got there, it was four and a half million on Friday. We forecasted $54 million in the next 20 months. I don't want a penny of it. I just want to glorify God because he's faithful. And it's working for your good. So give me just a bit. Just give me a couple minutes. Let me blow through this. Is that all right? I wanted to share that with you. I wanted to share that with you, and now I know why. The Lord brought you here today for this reason. He brought you here for this reason. We got to jump an airplane in a little bit. God brought us here to give you this word. But watch. When God wants to speak to one person, he says everybody in the room will be blessed because of it. First thing, when we read that scripture, just put up Romans 8.28. Let's go from there. Watch this. The first thing, and I'm not starting over. I'm just starting where this is at, right? Romans 8.28 says this. When you read this, it says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. The prerequisite to things working out is do you love God? Because if things work out and you don't love God, you're in a worse spot than anything you can ever get. I was once praying for someone who couldn't walk. And I said, it is more important that you give your life to Jesus than for you to walk. And the mother said, pray for him that he be healed. I said, what are you going to do if you're healed? He says, I will kill the person who put me in this wheelchair. I said, the last thing I should do is pray for your healing. You need to give your life to Jesus so that you can go to heaven. I'd rather have you go to heaven crippled than go to hell running. So it starts with loving God. So in reality, this scripture should say to those who love God, all things work together. Why does it start with love? Because the prerequisite of love is the reason why God sent his son to this earth. What does it say? For God so loved the world, which in its translation actually means God loved the world so much. So if it doesn't start with love, it's not God. And so it says if you love God, things start working out. And I'm not talking about everything being good. But it starts working out when you love God. The presence of God, the love of God matters above all things, ladies and gentlemen. If we want the blessings of God more than we want the face of God, we're in trouble. Those are not children. Those are thieves. What do you want from your kids? If your kids just come to you, give me money, give me money, give me money, give me. Anybody has teenagers? I'm like speaking your language right now, right? Right? They don't even say anything. They're just boop, 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 boop. It's like a little metal detector. They can feel the money in your pocket. Now they just hit my pockets like, we know they're in there. We know it's in there somewhere. But watch. That's not love when our relationship with God is built on what he does, not on who he is. And a lot of times things that we go through is God's way of refocusing us to who he is and not just what he does. So you know what? And we'll talk about this in a second. But when you're going through your storm, the first question you should ask is not, God, are you working my stuff out? It's, God, have I not loved you the way that I should? Have I not been close to you the way that I should? Moses stands on Mount Nebo, and God tells him that promise that I made to you, that I told you you'd lead him in, you're not going to go there. And you want to know what Moses says later on? If your presence isn't there, I don't want to go. And God is trying many times to realign us to his presence and to his love. And we're so incapacitated by the things that we need, by the things that we want, by the things that we're doing. And we potentially become the absolute worst person in the relationship towards God. 
We come to him when we need him. But do we come with him when we have nothing? Do we come to him when we have everything? Do we still give him glory? Do we still seek his presence? Or do we tell him, God, not right now. Do we need things to go away for God to refocus us? And let me just say it this way. I don't believe that God put us through this season because we were sinning. I believe that God put us through this season so that we'll focus on what he's doing next. See, because what I don't really have time to talk about is that God has been dealing with my wife and I about our season, about what we're doing. And God is shifting us and he's moving us. And I'm like, God, do what you need to do. God, have your will. Careful what you ask for. Lord, do whatever you got to do to get us to where we need to get to. And God's like, bet. God's like, are you sure? Yes, Lord, have your way. And God's like, all right. Let's get a couple more of those tears out. Let's get some more time on your knees. Let's get some more travail in your spirit. You're a little too comfortable. You're feeling a little too nice. You're a little too lofty in who you are. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. I'm about to cancel your trips and take your bread. And are we willing to let God put us through a season of transformation and change and put us through a season where we're trialed and we're travailed in order for us to understand his will in our lives? And the reality of it is, present company included, is that many times we don't want to say yes to that. And you're going, no, I would never do that. Jesus literally told the Father, if there be any way that this cup may pass from me, let it be so. But nevertheless, not your will, not my will, but thy will be done. We're often, as people trying to pass the cup to get the blessing, pass the cup of bitterness, the cup of vinegar, the cup of, of, of disdain, the cup of travail, the cup, the cup of hurting, the cup of pain. And we say, God, just take me to the part where I'm blessed. God, give me a crown without a cross. And that's not how God works. That's not how God works. PFAC, that's not how God works America. And God will not be mocked. Some of us think we can we think we come in, we shout loud, and God's just going to respond to our shout. He don't care how loud you shout. He cares how straight you walk. See, because when, when we shout loud, we think God can't hear us in our prayer. But when we walk straight, the Bible says we can come before his throne with boldness. And here's one thing, if you know my wife and I, 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 I try very hard not to ask God to take me out of things. Because when, when you're asking God to take you out of a trial, he might be taking, you might be asking him to take you out of something that needs to grow you. You need to change your prayer and, and, and shift it from God. Take away the storm to God. Teach me how to believe in you, how to recognize you, and then teach me how to walk on water instead of running from the storm. Amen? Watch. Let's go. So it starts with love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then what does Jesus tell them? Look. Here is the first commandment, that you would love the Lord with all your heart, with all your, mind, with all your mind. And the second is as the first, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Though on these, the entirety of the law stands. It starts with love. So you want, me to, you want me to tell you something? If you're going through a storm right now, find your love with God again. Oh, oh let, me, let me go one step further. Let me go one step further. If we put half the energy into loving God as we did rebuking the devil. We rebuke the devil quick, but it's not the no's to the enemy that are the issue. It's the yeses to God that matter. He said, so love him. Here's the second thing. Then it's, it's, the point number two is that are called according to his purpose. What does that mean by his purpose? Purpose and calling. I was having a discussion with young men. We mentor young men. We're getting ready to start training evangelists that are going to be installed as evangelists all over the United States because I told them, if I'm going to stop being an evangelist at some point, I got to make more. You don't just throw mantles on the floor and walk away and think you're awesome. Right? God ain't trying to build a dynasty through you. He's trying to build a legacy through him. He don't need your dynasty. God don't need great men. He needs good men. He don't need you to be great. He don't need me to be great. He needs you to be good. Because what? He didn't say greatness and mercy shall follow me. He said, and goodness and mercy shall follow me all the day of my life. We should care more about being good than we do about being great. Because goodness comes from God. Greatness belongs to him. What did he say? I look to the right and I see none. I look to the left and I perceive one not. There is not another God like I. Right? 
watch, but uh, that are called according to his purpose. I was talking to these young men, and one of the young men, watch, and he says, how do I know what my calling is? I'm trying to find my calling. I'm trying, am I called to be, be an evangelist? Am I called to be a pastor? Am I called to be, he starts naming off all these things. I said, son, 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 you're going to hurt yourself doing that. Put down sharp objects. Stop walking in corners. Just sit down for a second. Listen to me. <laughs> Tell you, I talk straight. It is what it is, right? I'm from the east side of San Jose. I'm from South Puedes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm from. But watch. I said, what is a call? When someone calls you, what are they doing? They're intending to speak to you, right? A calling is God dialing you. Well, but I don't know my calling. Answer the phone! <laughs> now we, we can screen it. Now we can text them back. Any 90s babies here? When that phone was just ringing and you're looking at it like, oh, man. I'm talking before it actually put the number up. Before you had your beeper and it said low cell, before any of that stuff, literally it would just ring. That's how God calls people. He don't give you an email ahead of his call. I said, when God calls you, this is your calling. Hello, God. Yep. Follow me. Okay. That's a calling. That's it. Yeah, but, yeah, but. What's my calling? Am I an evangelist? Am I a pastor? Okay, you ready for this? Watch. Every single last one of us are called to the same thing. The exact same thing. The exact same. You're going, no, no, we're not. Because there's Pastor Rusi, and then there's Pastor Anthony, and then there's Sister Aiko, and then there's Sister Tree, and then there's, you know, Sister Maria. No, all these callings are different. No, they're not. The functions are different. Calling is an obedient servant listening to God. If your parents call, do you ask them, what do you want? No, you listen. Go open the door. What do you do? You get up, open the door, right? Calls, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That is indicative of the relationship of calling. Open the door. Well, what do you want? Well, God, what, what are you, you going to do with me? Well, God, what's going to happen in five years? Well, God, are you going to elevate me? Are you going to? I don't know if you remember one time, babe, we were talking to a CLC student at, at End Time. Remember, we went to have lunch at Chili's, and Josh Abrego, never mind, I don't want to start naming names, but I just named a name. I was sitting down, and one of them says, Within the next five years, I want to start three churches, and then I'll be an evangelist for 10 years, and this, that. And remember, we were sitting, we we're talking to him, I'm like, What if you get sick? What if you want to get married? What if you have children? What if things come into your life? That derail all your plans. No, but I'm called to do that. No, you're called to be obedient. We're called to follow God's purpose. No, but his purpose becomes my purpose. Nope, his purpose is his purpose. Well, 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 God's getting ready to elevate you and wherever where you walk, he promises is going to walk behind you. And, you know, we start saying all these semantical things that make people look deep you know what I mean because people were were healed in Peter's shadow we're not Peter he was one of the early foundational apostles we're not him Pastor Rusi. if people were healed in our shadows there'd be some problems purpose is following God that is our purpose if any man desireth me let him what deny himself that means it's not about us it doesn't matter what your plans were. That's hard to say, huh? Because in America, we believe in exceptionalism. We believe that, that we're special when we're in a certain place and we sit in a certain chair and we have a certain, oh, that, this means that I have shown that I am great. Really? Just keep following God. Just keep, when he calls, respond. Open the door. Sit at the table. What did he say? Come, let us reason together. Literally, the, the metaphor of come, let us reason together, I already know what you've done, is literally a father speaking to their son, sitting at a table and talking about what's transpired. That's what he meant. And the term reasoning was actually a terminology of life between a parent and a child. When, Je when Jesus is saying this, sit down, let's talk about what's occurred, and then let me give you my design for your life. And sometimes his design for our life looks like things are not going to work out. But they're working perfectly for his purpose. 
This is going to unlock my purpose. My purpose is his purpose. When we were saved and we gave, that meant we gave our lives to the Lord. We didn't just give, well, well, you know, I'm going to be an heir. Not here. We're not co-heirs here. It says we're counted as co-heirs with Christ in heaven. Here we are servants. And sometimes seasons will hurt. Seasons will be painful. God will bring people in your, this is hard to say. God will allow people to come into your life that will rob you. God let that person come into my life because I asked the Lord's will be done. Some, somebody asked me, if you would have never prayed that prayer, do you think this would have happened? I said, it don't matter. I prayed that prayer. This happened. God gets the glory. Let's keep going forward. It's his purpose. And there are things that we go through and things that we experience. And when we think that our purpose is interrupted, our plans are interrupted, our ministries are interrupted, our offices are interrupted, our positions are interrupted. That deals with us, not his purpose. See, because in our purpose, we have a design. We have a certain way to set it up. And if I don't get here by this age and I don't do that by this age, well, then all of a sudden I'm a failure. And God's like, you know what? Don't you know that I make the wise as fools and the fools as wise? And the wise look at the way that I do things and think that it's wrong. But through there, I can be setting you up exactly for what I've called you to do in your life. And you got to trust me through the season of travail and trial and pain and heartache and tears. Because that's his purpose. Well, God doesn't do it that way. He wants me to be blessed. He doesn't want me to hurt. Literally, he said, I send you forth as sheep to the shears. And you know what that means? That means sometimes all the wool. What, 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 was, a, what was a lamb good for? <clears throat> what was a sheep good for? Unless it was saved for its meat for sacrifice, the only thing that sheep was good for was its wool. <clears throat> and when Jesus said, I send you forth... <laughs> as sheep to the shears he's saying there are times in your life where I will send you and you will be stripped of everything that is valuable to man and you will have to learn to live watch this not only so so to man the value of the sheep is the wool but to the sheep the value of the wool is the warmth and when the sheep has no wool it's sick when the sheep has no wool, it's cold. When the sheep has no wool, it's vulnerable. Its skin is soft. Its skin is not hard. It's not a pig. It's not a goat. Its skin is under multiple layers of wool. So guess what happens? When we are stripped as shipped sheep to the shears, we're going to have seasons where we're soft where we're tender, where we're easily hurt, where we're cut quickly, where we're sensitive, where people will touch certain things. You want to know what else happens? On soft skin, you bruise. You see the pain for everybody to witness. Durable skin, dark skin. I'm one of those people that are tanned in December. You don't see all my bruises. It just looks like a spot. It, it, it ain't purple. I don't get purple. I just get dark in that part. But watch, when something covers it up and all of a sudden the thing that was covering you, that was protecting you, that was keeping you safe. Here's the other thing. A sheep's ribs are tender. They're not hard. They're not durable. So the wool keeps it from being hurt and broken. Whew. So God puts us through seasons according to his purpose where we're hurt, where we're cut, where we're broken. But he's developing us. For his purpose. His. God. I feel naked. God. I feel weak. God. I feel vulnerable. I got to hurry up. I feel vulnerable. I feel like, like everything's about to fall apart. And God's like, no, no, no. I stripped you. I stripped you so that everything that you thought would protect you. Everything you thought would keep you secure. I'm going to be your security instead. I'm going to hold you like a shepherd does his sheep. I'm going to show you what real strength looks like. Because that's why Paul said, when I am weak, yet I am strong. Why? Because he's with Jesus. And when Jesus wraps his arms around us, we go from our strength to his strength and that's where his purpose is fulfilled now it says that according to his purpose Jay if you come up watch this and he says and we know and we know and we know why is it important for us to have the word of God in our lives because emotion tells us what we feel but the word of God will show us what we know 
And our emotions will fail us. Our emotions will falter. Our emotions, sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes it don't feel good. And you're like, I don't want that to stop. But what we know is that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. So you say, Lord, what I know will carry me through the season of when I don't feel like it. Most people leave the Lord because of their lack of knowledge. Well, they didn't feel the presence of God. And there are people that have spoken in tongues every day of their lives that don't serve God. And the Bible even says the people perish for their lack of knowledge. The number one issue in the church isn't that we don't jump high enough. It's that we don't read our Bibles. Biblical illiteracy is the number one epidemic of the church by far. By far. But it says, and we know that all things, all things, all things. Everything, everything, all of it, all of it, that thing that is tearing you apart right now, it is only in your life because God allowed it. The Bible says that the sun rises and sets according to his word. So if it's in your life, it's not because God caused it, it's because he allowed it. Well, that can't be right. And we get into that God of the gap. So God allowed Hitler? You know, we do all that. We're not in that position of life. But yes, he did. Because it also brought Israel back together as a nation. It's hard. Hard things that God uses to fulfill his purpose. I'm almost done. One of the musicians could come up. Watch. It says in all things, everything, when we understand that every single season of our lives if we are a child of God, is according to his purpose. Every single one of them. The broken relationship? Yes. God didn't cause it. Nope. But he allowed it. The cancer? God didn't cause it. But he allowed it. Well, why? When we get to the other side of heaven, we're going to be like, why would you make me live that long? We don't understand it on this side of glory. All things. I want someone just for a second to think of the absolute worst things that have ever happened in your life. And go, God, why? Why? Why did you allow the abuse? That's man's sin. But his permissible will allows that the will of man interjects. Because if the will of man does not interject in bad things, then the will of man can also not concede to God. That makes us puppets, not humans. So all things, all things, the betrayal, yes. The heartache, yes. The abandonment, yes. The broken relationships, yes. The thing that still got me a little quirky after 40 years, yes. All of it. The running the streets, yes. The drug use, yes. Did God ordain it? No. Did God allow it? Yes. What I'm going through right now, yes, yes, yes. You ready? All things. Somebody say everything. Everything. If God is sovereign, then it's all under his will. But look, watch this. And we know that all things work. There's the difference. There's the difference. I was telling someone this just last week. I said, I, they asked, he said, don't you feel like this situation can cause you to become depressed? Oh, I can see where that happens. How do people that have very successful careers and successful lives jump out? Let me tell you guys what I just found out the other day. What I just found out literally right in the middle of this storm. This is the difference between having the Lord and not having the Lord. I have a coworker that I used to work with in my previous corporate career. He was a broker. And commercial brokers make a lot of money, huh, Steve? A lot of money. Big, high-rise, 17, 20-story buildings, and he's the broker. Count 1.3% on 180 million. That's a lot of Snapple. His name was Chris McConico. They laid Chris to rest yesterday because he took his own life. You want to know what I told somebody? I know how that happens. Now, someone might be asking Migo, did you think about that? Nope. Migo, were you depressed? Nope. Did I have anxiety? Yes, I did. Yes, I did, Doc. I absolutely did. Did you feel the pressure? Oh, man. The difference 
is that I love God and I walk according to his purpose. So it broke my heart to find out that this man that I used to sit five feet from took his life. He has a wife and a child. And here we are probably going through the same thing. And he takes his life. And I took a knee. And he didn't have a word. And I'm getting texts from pastors, bishop, and all of that. Anyone that thinks that just because God uses you in certain ways, you don't still go through issues. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Careful when you turn your life over to the Lord. And I told one of my coworkers, I said, was Chris still married? He goes, yeah. What about his baby? His daughter is Ava's age. It broke my heart. Because of the storm that I'm going through, and I'm going, God, when I want to give up, your love is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. And in the child of God, I need you to get this. All things work together. Why? Because even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. Even when I can't hear it, he's working. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I can't touch it. It's not in my hands. It's been yanked out. And God's like, trust me. It's still there. I'm just holding it for you. God, I trust you because all things work together if I love you. All things work together if I continue in your purpose. God, I don't see it. God, I don't hear it. God, it's not there. God, how are we going to get through it? And God's like, if you love me, if you walk according to my purpose, it's going to work out. God, this don't feel good. God, this hurts so bad. There have been so many times just in this last month, ladies and gentlemen, that I sat in my car away from my family and I sat there in that parking lot and I lowered my head at night and I just cried because I didn't want our employees to see it. I didn't want my wife to see it. I didn't want my kids to see it. You want me to tell you something? You want to know who comforted me? I'm going to tell you something. I finally sent the text. I, I, I had to share with somebody. So I sent the text to my friend who's my pastor. And I gave him an update and I told him what was happening. And he just said, thank God, bro. It's working for your good. If God is working it, it's working for your good.